Well, you get to see more of my face because uh, I'm bringing the message today. And uh, it's just a, it's an honor and a privilege to always be able to bring a message. And uh, if anyone knows my messages from the past, you know I love to start my message with a story. And uh, this week, it's been really hard to think about how am I going to communicate a story because I just really feel like what I, what I think I, I should be talking about this week is the topic of identity crisis. And uh, it's kind of funny and ironic in itself that when I was trying to think of a story to tell and share at the start of this sermon, I couldn't think of one because there were too many stories about identity and what sometimes I had crisis and sometimes it was about positive enforcement of my identity. But uh, it was just funny that I couldn't actually think of which one to tell because of it. But nonetheless, I, I've come, come to a conclusion of one story that I'd love to share with you that uh, happened to me a couple of years ago. And uh, it was when I was playing soccer. And I was just playing in the local soccer league here in, uh, in the Shire, in Cronulla. And uh, what happened was uh, we were starting to make really good progress as a team. As a team, we were starting to get on the top end of the ladder. We were about eight games undefeated. And, and what happened was I started to build a bit of a reputation in, in the team as the guy with the orange boots. And, and teams and the different uh, clubs that were versing would start to man-mark people because uh, as you're playing, you, they, they just say, man-mark him, take him out of the game. And I, I was on that list. And I could always hear the coach on the other team saying, man, mark that guy with the orange boots, and these bright orange Adidas. And one day what happened was one of the games, uh, we, were, we were getting up again and some people on the team, other team were getting a bit frustrated. One of them ankle tapped me out. And uh, while I was on the ground, I knew I'd done something serious to it. Uh, I knew I had to come off. I could, as I was coming off, I could hear my teammate on the so on on the field still still saying to this guy, "Oh, buddy, you've messed up. You've ankle tapped the pastor, and God's going to get his get his back for you in the next game or something." And so, in that moment, no longer am I just orange boot guy. I'm the orange booted pastor, and. Uh, you know, so what happened was I was uh, going through rehab and, and getting my ankle checked out. And uh, about two weeks later, I, I, I'd been seeing surgeons and things and it was confirmed I needed to take some cartilage out of the joint. Uh, and what happened was I had to go tell my coach. I had to go tell the coach, you know, uh, I, I can't play anymore. I've got to have the proper recovery time and I've, I've, I won't be able to make anything in the rest of the season. And so in that moment, I became the crippled orange boot pastor. And uh, it really was just, it was a, a shocker season in the end. But it's funny how these identities and names start to be created and, uh, and how easily they're built and how easily they're crumpled. And one time while I was in the, uh, in, in the orthopedic surgeon's uh, just waiting area there. I, I was reading through one of the magazines and it was by, one of the articles was by a guy named Rashid Ogunlaru. He's a, he, he, he's a business and corporate coach and so he's not actually from the 
the church realm, so I was getting some broader reading, and, and he came up with, he has this quote, and, and uh, I want to share it with you. It says, you are not who you think you are. You are not who they want you to be, and you are not merely your color, class, gender, and so on. These are quite narrow things. You are not the ideas you are given and gather. You are not what you own or lay claim to. You are not even your life story. For that changes through time, perspective, emphasis, and many things. You are what resides before, between, and beyond all these things. It's an interesting quote. And it's a really interesting way of perceiving our identity. So let's just pray before we get into some of the word. Lord God, we just come now and we say, we humble ourselves. We, we want to give uh, all the opportunity to the Spirit to just come in and speak to our lives and to our hearts so that we may be more and more Christ-like and may these words that are about to be heard be something of value for people that hear them. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask you a couple of questions regarding the, the identity crisis that we have at the moment. Because right now, a lot of people are suffering because of this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And the first question I want to ask you is, how are you allowing the experience of this pandemic to mold your identity? You know, in some cases, people are lifting to the challenge and some people are really using this as a catalyst to advance their business or their, themselves or here in the version of us as a church, we're really seeing this as an opportunity to step into the future and where God's leading the church and where God's taking us. Or is it that, you know, you feel a bit defeated and deflated? Is it that actually right now you, you don't want to keep up? And you just feel like laying in bed all day. How are you allowing this experience of the pandemic to mold your identity? Because whether you like it or not, it is. What is this time? And how are you using it to say your to show your integrity? Let's take and let's take a step back from that even. How do you let any experience, positive or negative, to develop who you are? Because it doesn't matter if it's this pandemic, whether it was World War II, whether it was the Black Plague, if you go back that far. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if it's a big one, small one, if it's just a bad word from a family member they criticize, or whether it's just a word of encouragement. Any experience, positive or negative, develops who you are. And are you even aware of these experiences uh, are you aware that they're causing your identity crisis or are you aware that they're lifting you into a place of positivity? No matter if you're one or if you're a hundred, things are shaping and forming you still. So let's get into some scripture because there's this really great story uh, that actually comes out of scripture that we can read by, from a guy named Elijah. And let me set the scene for you where this, we're coming into the story. What's happened is Elijah's actually just fought on a, not a literal battle, but a, 
of like a prophet's battle. Uh, there's been two altars that were set up and Elijah was the one man fighting for this altar. A- and an altar is basically just a big barbecue that's been set up to sacrifice uh, some, some meat. In this case, it was a cow. And uh, so Elijah's fighting for this altar. And then there were a hundred other prophets on the other altar saying, Elijah's wrong and our God's right. And so what's happening happened is, is there's been this big battle up on the mountain and in that space, what's happened is Elijah uh, is, he, he kind of mocks the other team like you do when you're playing sport. Uh, he, he's saying, is your God sleeping? Is he on holidays? Nothing's coming from their altar. There's no meat being burnt as an offering on their altar. And then Elijah, he, he pours water over his meat, over his altar. And he just simply says to God, God, show them your sovereignty and that you are the real God. And everything's burnt. The whole, whole altar, the, the meat, the water's gone. Everything in that place to show that God is the true God. And what happens is Elijah actually ends up killing the prophets, which is a different story. We won't go into that side as much. But he, he ends up killing the prophets. And then a lady by the name of Jezebel, she's the queen of this time, uh, hears that what he's done and she wants to kill him. And that's where we come into this scene. And I want to read that together with you. It's in 1 Kings 19. If you'd like to pull it open, I'll wait for you for just a second. And 1 Kings 19, it's, it's titled, Elijah Flees Jezebel. And we're going to read that together. So starting at verse 1, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So many the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, he being Elijah, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. He asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel of the Lord touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in strength of that food. Just to clarify, that cake wasn't like a sponge cake with jam. It was just probably like another piece of bread or something. But uh, there's a really interesting story, like really interesting lesson that we might overlook normally. And sometimes it's actually probably presented as a bit of a joke, uh, which we should really take seriously. It's that sometimes when you're caught up in the emotion and in the anxiety and in the hype and the hysteria, of a pandemic, whether it's personal or whether it's corporate, whether it's uh, Jezebel trying to kill you or Corona uh, corona COVID-19 virus, 
if you get caught up in the hysteria and the hype, the, the, the pandemic, then you lose perspective on the size of it, on the relative size, on your part to play in it. You lose your ability to engage healthfully with this event that's happened. You know, the comical example is like when, when everyone started to hear about COVID, everyone was running to the, toy, to, the, to the grocery stores and bought out all the toilet paper and dried goods, all the tinned fruit and, and all the tinned soup and such. Hashtag no refunds in the chat. It, it, it was incredible to, I, I personally couldn't get my head around it, that people were so caught up in this idea of a virus and that they, they blew it so far out of proportion that they had to buy out supermarkets. It's just, when we're caught up in that, we lose the the ability to make rational, understood decisions regarding how it's all working. When we read this story, it says, Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and he said, get up and eat. So he had a nap and he ate some food and it brought perspective, right? So this is a really great lesson for us. When we're caught up in the midst of it, when we're starting to have our identity crisis, have a sleep and eat some food and then look at it with perspective. No, but seriously, what we need to do is actually take a step back. What we need to do is settle our exaggerated emotions and recognize our part in this scenario. Some people have bigger parts, healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, they're doing incredible things at the moment. And for some of us, it's stay at home and ring people. And when you're understood what your part is, then you can do that in a healthy way. But you can't do that if you're caught up in the hype and the hysteria. And when, when we realize and we settle our, uh, our exaggerated emotions and everything, we realize there's a lot less demanding on us when we all do our bit. And we ultimately remember that our strength comes from God through all of this. And He empowers us in the role we have to play. If we think to the current epidemic, I, I think personally I am amongst... A good group of us that are watching this sermon, uh, where I, um, it probably is fair to say I struggled when I heard to, that I couldn't be amongst people for a long amount of time. My poor, my poor housemate. He uh, he's gotten to the point where he doesn't take his AirPods out now when we're in communal areas because he knows if if I'm going to if he takes them out, I'm going to chew his ear off with conversation. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, at the start of this, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. I won't be able to do my ministry and mission because I won't be able to go to cafes and engage with people there. I won't be able to be in and amongst the local businesses and my local community. We're going to have to stop so many of the ministries that have been happening here at New Beginnings. And I was caught up in the hype and the hysteria because I didn't want to let any of it go. I didn't want to stop. Because I wanted to be around people. <laughs> but when I took the step back 
And I said, all right, God, use this for your ways. What's been incredible is the opportunities that have been able to come out of it. The engagement now which I can enter into is at a depth and at a place of uh, vulnerability with business owners and with uh, the community that it's no longer just your superficial going into a, a, a cafe and saying, hey, how are you going and getting that standard chat out, but it's actually what, how is it that the church can help you and what is it that God can do for you today? And these people are entering into this because we've just simply said, okay, this is the circumstance. How can we go into this with God? And these experiences are far away, um, far further surpassing anything that could have happened just by going through routine. If we continue into the story, it, it goes on and it says... Uh, Strengthened, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And it goes on to say, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore of the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? You see, Elijah's having a massive identity crisis right here. I, I don't know if it was because it was he was fearing Jezebel and what, what she said, and, and so he was fearing for his life. I don't know if it was because he was hungry and needed a nap. I don't even know what happened immediately in between those things when he dropped off his servant at that town. But somewhere amongst all of this, Elijah forgets that he's the prophet of the one true God. He's just witnessed that on the mountain where he won that battle. He's the prophet of the one true God. He's the prophet of the God who can summon the powerful winds which break apart mountains and he sees that and tears apart rocks. He's the, he's the prophet of the God who's making earthquakes right in front of him. He's the prophet of God who brings fire in front of him. And he's the prophet of God who comes and hears. Hears God say, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
in a simple whisper. Although we may have identity crises and we often forget who we are, God never forgets who you are. We may forget who we are and we may get caught in a period of time, in an event, in a space and we forget who we are. But God never forgets who you are. He never forgets who you are. There's two parts from this story I really want to make as an application for us today. I really want to take this opportunity to engage with what we're being presented with. The first of it is this. There are those struggling with identity in this pandemic. There are amongst us people that are struggling with identity and we have an opportunity now to pray for healing uh, and for an opportunity of just God restoring our identity in Him, so the healthy identity too. You know, it might be, it might be someone that's a parent who's struggling because all of a sudden they're asked to be a teacher. And because they don't know how to be a teacher, they may feel like they're failing their children. That it may even be a grandparent, if you're a grandparent out there, and you, you're struggling because you've, been, you, 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 you've lost all your independence trying to, because you can no longer even get simple things like groceries for yourself or your own medications, and they're being delivered to you by someone, whether it's a family member or a delivery person, and that, that independence has been taken from you, and it's the last straw. And right now we have the opportunity to say, this is not my identity crisis, it's ingrained in Jesus. It might even be someone that someone that's lost their jobs. And if you're someone that's lost their job and you feel like you've lost all your self-value or your worth from this and the effects of this virus, and it's an opportunity for us to say and stand together and say, no, this isn't what causes my identity crisis, but rather I draw into God and His value and self-worth for me. Right now, I want to pray with you. If you're feeling like this, there's, and the list can go on, there's, there's many things that could be taking away what we find our identity in right now. And ultimately, that's taking us away from what God's calling us to be. And if you're one of those people, I want you to join me in a time of prayer. And I want to pray for healing for us. We're going to pray in the Spirit for a transcending peace. And we're going to pray for the value to be found in God and in the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we're going to pray together so that we can feel healed and restored so that it may be reflective for people to see the light of Jesus in us in this pandemic at the moment. So let's just take a couple of minutes to pray. Lord God, you know each and everyone's instance, everyone's circumstance right here and now.
Lord God, we just pray with open hearts, open postures. Heal us. Heal us and give us the love and the value and the worth and the identity being found in Jesus Christ that just brings all transcending peace and love and joy. We pray for these things, not simply so that we may feel better for ourselves, but so that we may also be reflective light and joy to everyone that comes across our path in this time and that they see the way we hold ourselves and that we can't help but say, it's through Lord Jesus that I am in my place like this. And we pray that as the the Spirit comes and heals us now, that the the peace of the Spirit and the love of of the Father God and through Jesus Christ and the Son fills our hearts, fills the Spirit, fills our, our mind and our body so that we may be reflective lights of you, God. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for healing and the power you have to heal. In the name of Jesus, the one who has all power and authority. Amen. Amen. There's a second application I want us to take right now. And it comes in the form of the question that we heard in the reading. And it says, the reading says, what are you doing here, Elijah? But, but put your name where Elijah's name is. What are you doing here, Blake? For me, it's what are you doing here, Caleb? You know, for Elijah, it was a question of reflection. For us, it's a question with opportunity. You know, there's an opportunity in everything. And God will use all things, whether we see them as pandemics or celebrations, he will use all things for his good. And he will do it whether or not you choose to do it. But as Christians, we have a role to play. When we accept Jesus, we also accept the challenge to make ourselves available to represent the light of Jesus. And so right now, we have a question What are you doing here? What are you doing here? In this time, in COVID-19 coronavirus time, what are you doing here? Do Do you need to invite someone to pray with? Do you need to extend an arm of friendship? Do you, who, who can you initiate? conversations with, whatever your context is, whatever your giftings are, whether it's it's in teaching, whether it's in pastoral care, whether it's in just words of encouragement, whether it's in making people feel valued, what is it that you're doing here? We have a real opportunity to show the light of Jesus. And when we are able to own that in an identity that's founded and just centered and central to Jesus, people won't but be able to help ask, what is it that makes you so engaged with this time in helping people? 
What are you doing here? So I want to wrap up. But I want to wrap up with some of the scripture that can affirm us in this time. So let me encourage you with these words. God works for the good of those who love him. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You are chosen and you're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You have been crucified with Christ and you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. The life you now live in the body, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Amen.